Welcome to the 170th edition of the Guna Podcast. This is your host, Kevin Witcher, and we are recording this on the Tuesday evening after Arsenal's win at Blackpool in the third round of the FA Cup, a few days before they make this somewhat shorter journey to West Ham in the Premier League. As traditional, before we get going, I will introduce the panel. First up, one of our most regular contributors, a man of legal standing... He applied for the legal job at Arsenal once, <laughs> and the club seemed very keen, until they did their due diligence and discovered <laughs> he was involved with the Guna. That's all very true, sadly. <laughs> and that was that. Instead, he had to suffer the pains of issuing legal advice on the only way is Essex and Geordie Shaw. It would have probably been just the same at Arsenal if you substituted Nicholas Bentner for Gemma Collins. <laughs> it's a warm welcome to Mr David Udo. Hello there. Next, the founder and original editor of The Guna. His day job keeps him so busy these days, we only get the occasional well-played contribution. <laughs> but fortunately, he remains active by appearing on the podcast when his diary allows. Based in deepest Kent, once the no-deal Brexit hits, he won't be able to drive to the local <laughs> supermarket without joining a queue of juggernauts. <laughs> it's a very good evening to Mr Mike Francis. If only you were joking. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, Fleet Street's most hard-working journalist, as those who follow his Twitter or Instagram accounts can testify. And what do you know? He's become an Instagram buddy of one Tony Adams, who often responds to his posts there. It's very gratifying that he still finds time to help us out on the Guna, and with so much on his plate, he has to be the man with the most tolerant wife in the country. It's good to say hello once more to Mr Leith Yusuf. Cheers, Kev. Thanks for the intro. Uh, and now, gentlemen, since the last podcast... Arsenal have played five Premier League games. Two home wins were chalked up against Burnley and Fulham, whilst trips to Southampton, Brighton and Liverpool have proved less rewarding with one point out of nine. Are the wheels coming off? Oof. That's a big question. Yeah. Well, no. No, I don't think so. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, we've, we've had some... Liverpool was a tricky game. It's always going to be. No, I mean, who was confident going into that? No one. Um, so I think the injuries haven't helped. But I would, to say the wheels have come off, I think it's probably over dramatic. I don't. I think we were probably being a bit fortunate that, that we hadn't had a defeat or two before that. There'd been plenty of games where we probably hadn't deserved the result we got. Um, so you know, the signs were maybe there that there was a, there was a bad one coming around the corner. Um, I didn't necessarily expect it to be at Southampton um, and disappointed then not to not to win at Brighton as well but the Liverpool one was just like almost inevitable well, we're, we're, like, not, I mean they're in a different class to us at the moment aren't they but I mean giving him his due I mean Klopp that's his what fourth season at Liverpool now and he's had four transitional seasons building the team that he wants and we're in like the first of our transitional seasons I mean <clears throat> I, I hate to say this but I agreed with Gary Neville's assessment of our team after the Liverpool uh, defeat in the sense that um, he's 
he's deliberately leaving people like Ozil out in the sense that you know this is the way that my team is playing. We are building from goalkeeper upwards. Uh, I want you to press. If you don't fit in, then you know you're not going to play in certain conditions, which is why Ozil's make believe um, Christmas time injuries are coming into play again. Um, but you know it, it's a transitional season. He's viewing how they get on, and then over the course of this uh, this current transfer window, summer, and then probably the January and summer after those, um, he's going to formulate the team that he wants. So um, I mean, I wasn't expecting anything going into the season. Uh, the 21-22 unbeaten run um, where it wasn't uh, unbeaten games against Barcelona Real Madrid Melchester Rovers etc was it you know so um, I'm not worried about it we're still rebuilding yeah yeah I mean I think the 22 match unbeaten run raised expectations um, higher than people were expecting at the start of the season certainly after the two defeats against uh, Man City and Chelsea but um, yeah the wheels come off no no Liverpool we knew we were going to you know, we knew after we're, we're not going to win at Anfield unless it, unless they put on a really, really special performance, which just wasn't going to happen because at the time Liverpool were flying. Um, that came on the back of a. To be fair, I was down in Brighton. I, I was in the way with my kids had a day off of busman's holiday and um, took all three down. And I was quite pleased in a way because the second half was so bad. It just made my kids realise that you know that's what football is. It's not about winning trophies and all those things. It's, it's about pain. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, if you're looking at it objectively, then yeah, it wasn't a particularly good performance. Aubameyang could have made it 2-0 in the first half and I think that would have won the game for us but yeah point at Brighton probably not to be sniffed at Christian's done a really good job down mm. there and um, I, I don't think that's, that's anything to worry about on the back of, prior to that was a 3-1 um, victory against Burnley and um, yeah that, that was yeah three points in the bag it was one of those sort of instantly forgettable games apart from the fact I was in the, the press room afterwards and um, Sean Dice had an absolute meltdown <laughs> with, um, with Arsenal basically accusing Arsenal of um, corrupting millions and millions of young children about diving and, um, and things like that and it was, it, was a, it was a thing of beauty to behold basically and I wrote about it afterwards and a lot of people read it but um, yeah I mean that, that was another three points for Arsenal obviously you know if you're going back to Southampton yeah that, that wasn't a particularly good game and you know, that was the end of the, the unbeaten run but you know we beat Fulham Arsenal beat Fulham 4-1 on New Year's Day although admittedly it was the most unconvincing 4-1 you'd, you'd ever see I, I couldn't believe how, how bad Fulham were and Arsenal weren't particularly much better, to be fair. Defensively, Fulham were, were absolutely dreadful. So I'm not sure how much that told us about Arsenal or Fulham, apart from the fact Fulham couldn't defend. Um, and then, obviously, Blackpool, we, we had a bit of a chat a, a minute ago. And um, I, I felt that Arsenal were always in control. You know, Nandale, and I'm a Nandale, Mr. Mr. Couple of Chances. I, I, I sort of covered him when he was at Stevenage, and um, he didn't pull up many trees there. So I wasn't particularly worried um, watching the game in Bloomfield Road in terms of a, a defeat. Um, Willock played well obviously um, and if you contrast this to this time last year the dreadful 4-2 defeat of Forrest he played in that game and he's improved so much and I think I made a point of tweeting this out at the time I think um, I've obviously covered him for the under, 20, under 18s under 21s under 23s um, he's benefited so much from playing in the Czech Trophy this year he's learnt so much just like Saka has just like a few others have as well playing against seasoned lower league pros and you could see that against Blackpool you know Blackpool did well uh, get promoted from League Two last season. Admittedly, with the, with the boycott and and all the unrest that's going on at Blackpool, they must be the only set of fans who didn't actually want to get promoted. But but they did, and they're doing quite well in in League One under Terry McPhillips. And um, you just felt that you know it could have been an upset, but it wasn't for lots of reasons. Not least the fact there was a boycott there, and the atmosphere was flat, and uh, and they didn't they, they they didn't play as well as they did in the League Cup game when Arsenal won two one in October. So. 
that was the sort of you know that was on the Blackpool side. But at the same time, Arsenal still had to play well, and Willock played well. I thought Maitland Niles played well. He did a really good drag back for the third goal to start the goal. I love quick feet. I love technique, but it was efficient as well. And it started the move. He played Ramsey out wide, who slightly into the middle, and it was three 0 basically through Awobi. Awobi, I'm pretty sure. Did he play in the, in the Forest game as well last season? Oh. Um, I, there was all party going on at the time, wasn't there? So I can't remember if he did or not. But but the improvement in some of those players under Emery. As right, far well as that, I'm concerned, that's, that's to go back to your original point, was, was, was tangible basically, and I don't think the wheels coming off at all. Like, like the guy said, you know, Emery needs probably two or three transfer windows. Klopp's had, God knows, seven or eight basically to, to mould the, the squad and the team the way he wants it. And Emery, Emery needs time, and he's got time to be fair from from most Arsenal fans. If you're booing him, then you're an idiot basically. As far yeah, as I'm well, I, don't, I don't think it's got to that stage. No, absolutely not. Um, the Highbury librarian on Twitter. Um, he quoted me from 2012 <laughs> yeah, saying that was a good tweet <laughs> why, why uh, I was not afraid of a change of manager um, but his question uh, above it was has Unai Emery got more from our players do the players appear to be more motivated and better organised um, well better organised is an interesting one they're following instructions mm. and you know, I get the impression you didn't really have that under Arsene Wenger mm. whose instructions were you know be yourselves uh, express yourself as one on one to quote uh, Messrs Sumner and Hook. Um, there is, whereas Emery is like, I mean, one of the things I like about him is he's outside of the managerial box, he's right on the touchline shouting instructions, yeah. which is technically a breach of the laws, isn't it? You know, coaching from the touchline, but notwithstanding that, not I mean, anymore. Is that right? It used to be, it's oh, not anymore. I happily stand corrected. But he's ordering his team about, uh, I want you to play this certain way. I mean, as, as I mentioned earlier, he's saying, This is the way my team is playing, I'm going to flex it the way that I want to. Maybe Maybe start three at the back, go five at the back. I remember for ten minutes against Fulham, we actually played in a four-four-two, mm. which really turned me on. To be completely <laughs> honest, it took me back to the days when I had hair. It, 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 <laughs> was, it was a long time ago. <laughs> seriously, it was, it, it was actually in colour. It was. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it was. Um, uh, it, 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 it's my way or the highway, I think, and he's getting more out of people. I mean, Iwobi was written off by a lot of people at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, hello to my father, who never listens, but even so, um, uh, in the sense that Dowie's rubbish. But we're seeing an awful lot more out of Iwobi because he's getting formal instructions. And whilst there's talent in him, when he's being told at the age of 18, just do your thing, mm-hmm. I'll let you do your thing, he doesn't know what his thing is because he's 18 years old and incredibly inexperienced. Whereas I think. Um, he, he's been quite effective Emery he's given instructions and, and players are following it if they're not or they can't do that because they're inept and <coughs> stuffy then there will be some changes <laughs> yeah I mean I think, I think going forward we're certainly getting more out of the players going forward I think we're just more eff- efficient and effective going forward than we were last season under Wenger mm-hmm. um, now you know I don't know saying, but how much of that is down to Emery or how much of that is just down to it's somebody different um, I think that, I think there could be a lot said for it just being somebody different. I think people have got tired of hearing Wenger's voice. So, um, but at the back, you know, there's still a lot of the same faults, and not surprisingly, <laughs> because it's a lot of the same players, Mustafi. Um, and, they, and you know, he's not the only one. And um, we've been, we've just, I just feel we've been unfortunate with injuries there. You know, Monreal is so consistent, yep, and, yeah. we, and he's played what four or five games this season, um, and even Bellerin recently. You know, I think Bellerin had actually was looking more like the player he was three or four years ago yeah. and, and the player where we were expecting him to be and perhaps worryingly the player Barcelona we were expecting him to be <laughs> um, and so I, th- I think the injury sort of came at the wrong time for him but um, but there's still a lot there that you, you kind of just go we've been doing that for too long giving the ball away simply you know Xhaka making 
stupid challenges, mm. stupid dives. You know, so there's there's a lot that I think there's still to do. But you know, I, I I'm, I'm with David. I love seeing him up and down that that technical box and yeah. ten yards either side of it as well. Yeah. Um, getting on their back, pointing and shouting at them. That is a modern manager these days. You know, you see all the modern managers doing that. And I do think that's where, you know, we, 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 we under Wenger, it was depressing at times just to see him standing there, yeah. bemoaning the fourth official, <laughs> which, you know, justifiably often, but, you know, um, but not really doing anything with the team. Yeah, 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 I completely agree with you both. Um, yeah, in terms of the defence at the moment, it'd be interesting to see how many of those players are still there in 18 months' time. I if we can find people players. to buy them, then if we can find them, well, yeah, 35 million from the stuff, I'm not sure about it. It's only 40 million less than Van Dyke, to be fair. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah you, you're absolutely right, both of you, in terms of, um, you know, that there are a lot of encouraging signs going forward, but defensively, there's still a lot of work to be done by a lot of players. And but is, is, it, is it personnel or is there a, an element whereby the tactics leave them open? I, I think for me, Emery's tactics require a certain type of player and I don't think half those players are there at the moment. If you're talking about building from the back, pressing you know, pressing down the flanks, building from, from the top in terms of pressing your... No, I think defender. actually, I think they can do that. Do you think Masafi the can bit, do that? Do you think... Well, no, he's not the worst passer in the world. No, but there's... I, I think there's my, my concern is when the other team have the ball. Yeah, and someone like Anozo is not going to track back. Mkhitaryan's not going to track back. And I know you, you can argue you've got to give a bit of leeway to creative players, but there's a certain type of player that you can see Emery wants, and... You know, obviously with with, with those all three hundred fifty grand contract a week, and you wonder where he's what's going to happen long term. But I think if Emery could could get him out, he would basically. Oh, same with Ramsey. I mean, I've seen I, I've seen a lot of <laughs> I've seen a lot of um, you know press conferences of Emery this season, and there's certain codes and so you can read between the lines basically. I just don't think you trust him. There's much doesn't, doesn't trust Aaron Ramsey. Yeah, long term to play as a player in a really pressing team. For me, Aaron Ramsey should should be offered a new contract. I, I think he but should my, be part my, of the club. My, but the irony of that is Ramsey is someone who will chase down the ball. Yeah, yeah, but is he dynamic enough to do that long term? I don't know. He's he falls between two stalls. I don't think he's a he's a. You could argue he's a box box midfielder, but is he a box box midfielder in a team that really presses? Would would Jurgen Klopp pick him every week? I don't know if he would. It depends on the role he's playing. I mean, and I, he, I, I think, deep, I, I think line said, on Saturday, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, he was, and he, and he ran the game. Yeah, you know, and admittedly against League One, admittedly against League One. Yeah, so we won't get too carried away. <laughs> but although there were plenty that did in the game, <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I think I said on the podcast when I was on earlier in the season, when when it was first announced that that Ramsey's contract offer had been withdrawn, I think it got to the point where it was like you can't play Ramsey and Ozil on the same team. And Ozil's on a 350 grand contract. We're going to have to offer Ramsey, whatever it was, 200 grand a week. And that 200 grand a week actually could be better deployed elsewhere if we're only going to be able to play one of them at a time. And I I, I still stand by that, you know, although based on performances since then, you'd rather have Ramsey than Ozil. Yeah. We haven't got that choice. It is kind of, we've got to have one or the other. We're stuck with Ozil. Unless we, if if we could get rid of Ozil, I think Ramsey would then get a contract. Yeah, yeah. Or get offered one. Whether, whether he'd accept it now, given that he's obviously got, been tapped up from elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, I've done a couple of stories on that over the last week and I've obviously done it long term as well. My understanding is that he was offered a contract of 25 grand a week that was subsequently withdrawn when Gazidis left, basically. <laughs> so now he and um, Venkat were taken through the media centre. So hang on a minute. Uh, Ramsey's agents 
thought two two five a week wasn't enough. No, no, it wasn't that. It was, they, they were obviously sitting there going, "Yeah, maybe we can get another ten, fifteen, twenty grand out of them." But they would have signed definitely. And and when that the the, the only reason it was withdrawn was because Gazidis was was on a three month guarding leave to, to to head off to AC Milan. As soon as he was sort of no longer sort of the power behind the throne, admittedly he was still at Arsenal, but he wasn't sort of pulling the strings. That that offer was withdrawn. And at, at Ramsey's agents actually tweeted a couple of tweets around early October, basically, you know, showing how how shocked they were about that. And um, Well, maybe they should have signed it. Yeah, maybe they should. Maybe they should. Well, that's it. That's what I was going to say. It, the story come out of Italy, media set, um, you know, Italy's main sort of um, media company, they, they were talking about a 34 million euro five-year deal, contract deal, basically, including sign-on fees, bonuses, and all the rest of it, which worked out about 30 million, which I did the maths, which is about 125 grand a week. You know, that's... Well, that's, that's including the signing on That's team. including everything, yeah. So it's like, that's 100 grand less than Arsenal were paying. We're, we're getting, the, the contract from the top, as far as I know, was 225 grand a week. That's 100 grand less than Arsenal were off. The thing is, you've got your other commercial terms in there. It's like Mourinho's big haggling when he last renewed a contract at Manchester United before he went was... Uh, I mean, the salary was agreed to start with all the bonuses where it was the argument over his uh, over the, the commercial um, share of, of receipts on uh, his visual images. So uh, yeah. Reno's face and everything, what the split was going to be, but it was going to be 75-25, 60-40, knowing him probably 85-15, I would have yeah. thought. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the same for Ramsey, because every time you see like a, a tweet with like, um, I've seen this week, Chaka is now the, the face of a new set of Puma boots, obviously, they'll be Adidas next season. Yeah. But because that's associated with Arsenal, they're probably taking a 15% cut of that. Maybe I, I'm guessing with my commercial lawyer hat on, I'm thinking that the salary was agreed an age ago and it's the tiny, nitty-gritty yeah. commercial terms, you know, in terms of who's going to pick him up from airports and stuff like that. Will it be an Addison Lee car? <laughs> Will it be a private driver? Seriously, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Bit by bit. That's what took them so long to sign it and by the time they realised that it was withdrawn, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Wow, okay. Um, so, we have the January transfer window. Well, it's already around us. It's already happening. And we've had a few questions related to that. I'll start with uh, a couple. One from Jonathan Houseman. Does a lack of owner investments mean we're likely to fade when it comes to the financially crucial top four with injuries biting? And Pete Mountford, uh, how skint are we? (laughs) If so, how alarmed should we be? My question related to those two without going into the Kroenke debate because it's pretty well known he's not going to put money in Mm. Um, the club have effectively in their sort of statements or interviews with the relevant people pleaded poverty Um, now that might be them playing it cute and make out that they don't have much to spend so that when they do get in negotiations uh, they are less likely to be quoted stupid figures if the selling club actually want to sell. Um, what do you think is the real situation? I can go, I mean, obviously I, I worked in the city in a previous life, got an MBA and stuff, and I try and crunch the numbers now and then, but I defer every time to a Swiss Ramble. He's, he's a finance expert based in Switzerland, a big Arsenal fan, obviously. Um, and he, 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 he went through the accounts of what was released the other day with a fine tooth comb, basically. And um, I think the last sort of stuff that I saw, Arsenal had earned £198 million under Gazidis, basically, in terms of revenue, which, which is half decent. But it was still only the fourth or fifth 
highest out of the big six, basically. We were only ahead of Spurs, basically. Was that clean profit, EBITDA, or was that just turnover? God, I think it was EBIT, yeah, okay. because, um, yeah, yeah, get my MBA head on there. <laughs> late nights, I'd study that. <coughs> just carry the one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you, you could argue that Gazis didn't do his job in terms of increasing revenue streams, but is that Arsenal's level? Uh, uh, you know, I'm not sure they're capitalising enough on where they are in terms of a global city, being in London, you know, having all the corporate sort of you know streams that could be enhanced as well. So you know, did Gazis do as well as he could? Swiss Ramble didn't think so, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ahead of us. I mean, it's okay. You've got Man United, Man United fine. Man City, I think Man United Chelsea. Had 303 million. Um, fine. Well, we, we, yeah. we know Man City and Chelsea make up the figures as they go. Yeah. Man United, fair enough. Yeah, but Chelsea were above Arsenal as well. That's that's the worrying thing. Well, really. Chelsea, fair. Yeah. Well, in terms but, of, revenue. I think Abram- Bramovich still piles money in on the on the. Yeah, but that that was money coming stuff. in. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, you maybe. Know, so. But in terms of money earned from the club. Or by the club, but you said fourth, fourth, fifth, or sixth. So you yeah. said we're only above Spurs. So Liverpool above us as yeah. well. Yeah, which is well. You've got to remember, Liverpool had Champions League. Yeah, yeah. They had a yeah. long old run. And there was so. another point I was going to say as well. Obviously, Gazidis said about five years ago that um, Arsenal are ready to compete with um, Bayern Munich. <laughs> and uh, Swiss Ram made a really, really good point. He basically said they were Arsenal were about 120 million behind in terms of revenue compared to Bayern Munich got down to about 80 million which you know you could argue a 50 million sort of deficit is, is you know make up is, um, is, is half decent but they're going to lose 40 50 million this year because of the lack of Champions League so it's gone back to where we are so basically in those terms Arsenal have been treading water financially versus Bayern Munich mm-hmm. which was a sort of benchmark that Gazidis set Arsenal up for so where, what have they done in the last five, six years, basically? It's, it's slightly worrying. There is money there. And also, they were talking about cash reserves. Arsenal, I think, had cash reserves around 128 million um, three or four seasons ago, which was equal or more than every other Premier League club put together. Mm. Now, you know, it, it's been... I think Arsenal still have a substantial amount of cash reserves. But well, they, legally, near. they need to keep a certain amount in the bank. Yeah, but you're talking... You, you look at some Premier League clubs, they've got two or three million in the bank. You know, it, it, obviously, you've got creative accounting as well. Arsenal had 20, 128 million. I don't know yeah, what No, no, there was definitely... A oh, for Arsenal, you're talking specifically rather than sort yeah, of Premier League about, rules. I'm yeah, I'm talking yeah. about Arsenal specifically. Yeah. Because of the stadium... Uh, yeah. Debt arrangements. Yeah, but, but they, they are obliged to keep a certain amount. However, I 100% agree. What they did was keep their powder dry. Yeah. And while they were keeping their powder dry, the cost of a transfer for an established yeah. top class player went through the roof. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that that money, what it could have bought you four Very years ago, yeah. <laughs> it's not worth so much yeah, now. Yeah. And anyway, they, they're posting losses. They're posting, the only way they're not going to post trading losses is if, if they sell players now, yeah, because yeah. of the wage bill. Yeah, absolutely. So they've got themselves in a pickle. And this is presumably the reason why the likes of Sven Mislintat have been you know, recruited. Because he could save the club. Well, he, he he could get players in that can help the club without the club suffering too much. Yeah, and it's also a case of buying players and potentially selling them on. Yeah, so that is going to be the model. Yeah, you buy players going to be the model for eighty million. Absolutely right. Yeah. Torreira has a great rest of the season as he started. I mean, notwithstanding the last three four weeks when the yeah. guy's knackered, bless yeah. him. Yeah. You know, but if he picks it up and he becomes the new 
can say, I suppose, and we get offered £100 million, pounds, yeah. Christ, he's gone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And that's when Guendouzi becomes the new Terrera. <laughs> yeah. And then he'll go to Paris Saint-Germain <laughs> for £100 million, repeat ad infinitum. Yeah. So to get back to the question, uh, how alarmed should we be? Or in other words, um, can we be optimistic that money doesn't inevitably equal success and it, this this can be done well it does it doesn't I mean like you know Leicester proved that you know I mean and I everyone's going to keep pointing back to Leicester probably for the rest of all our lives <laughs> um, but but, it, but it's true you know you can yeah. only play 11 players on the pitch at any one time you know unless you've got a bent referee but having a squad yeah that's great but you know, you look at Man City. Man City had De Bruyne and, and Aguero not playing a lot this season, yeah. and probably others. You know, so you can only play so many players, and if you get lucky with injuries, as Leicester probably did, um, you know, money isn't the be all and end all. And I think it is tactical. You know, you, can, you, you know, we, we've put in some decent performances this season against teams that were probably better than us. Um, and so, you know, you got to you got to trust in the coach to deliver to get more out of the players than. We'll get more than the sum of the parts in there. Coach is very much the option of expression. I mean, one of, the, one of the famous last few things that Wenger did was when he was asked about um, Raul Sonier coming in as like a not, well, director of football operations, whatever a title he had. And Wenger just went, it didn't go spare, but he said, I don't see the point of this director of football thing whatsoever. Well, because Wenger was the manager as far as he was concerned, having the final say over absolutely everything. Whereas now, um, Emery is what he is, he's head coach. And he put, he put desires onto Mislin Tat, uh, Sanyehi, and our other joint MD, saying, This is what I want. Um, you go and do that because that's your three people's yeah. jobs because I have to coach these people. But because it's coming more like the NFL now, where your general manager yeah. is worth as much as the ho- head coach as it were. So, yeah. I mean, Emery's doing a great job, so I just have to be on the likes of Mislin Tat and go. Well, that was it. I mean, there was a comment you, you, you made earlier, which I was, was going to come back on, was, you know, we talked about. Klopp having had all these transfer markets and Emery's got to have all these transfer markets but actually it's not Emery having all these transfer markets no, no, it's, it's the guys that job it is to go and buy the players <coughs> you know and it's like how many of the players that we actually got in the summer were Emery purchases you know you, you, there was certainly when Torreira was left out earlier on in the season you know and Guendouzi was playing every game mm. you know there were a few question marks raised going well maybe Torreira wasn't his signing and Guendouzi was and that's why he's playing like, he, you mm. know he's Justified that by saying it was to acclimatise him and getting used to it, and it's probably proved right in the long run. But you do wonder what, how much of it is, is going to be Emery's choice of player, and how much of it is going to be elsewhere. Now, Gazidis always used to say, "There's no point having a manager if you're not going to trust them to have the final say." You don't want to give him players he doesn't want. But although there was a suggestion in the last year that Wenger did get players that he hadn't asked for. Gabriel, um, I remember well, when um, Gabriel when, not so much to be honest. I was like, that was a I was thinking more in the last year. Oh, but I'm not thinking. I mean, Gabriel. Uh, there are rumours that was a stat signing, uh, a money ball thing. And um, I, I won't forget when when we signed Danny Welbeck on transfer deadline day that year. And the first press conference was, um, you know, he must be pleased with that. He said, "Well, I only wanted him on loan." Well, who did the who did the purchase option? Though? Yeah. That would have been our chairman, I would have thought. But I mean, all I know is that Mislin Tat's background is all, is from Borussia Dortmund, and we've bought an awful lot of Borussia Dortmund linked players in <laughs> yeah. the last um, last uh, calendar year since he joined. You know, so I mean. Personally, I think the Licksteiner and Socrates were bought in by him in the sense that that's like ripping out old things, putting new things, in the sense that these guys, they're hard bastards, and they're going to play like, not, not stylish footballing defenders, they're going to play like defenders, Sunday league defenders. Yeah. And I, I really like Socrates. And I think one of the things as well is like that we haven't really had the opportunity is to, to get a defence plan as a unit 
for 10 games on the trot. Yeah. Oof, you yeah. Know? yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? And, and given the, the, the changes that Emu's trying to make in the pressing game and, you know, and how they want to play, I think that would really help. And if we could get that, don't have to be the same back four, but you know, roughly the same, not, not significant changes week in, week out, we might see more solidity there. Might be the operative word. But, um. <laughs> um, you discuss uh, you know, the people and their roles in the club. Um, Pradeep Pichala on Facebook uh, um, says, with the potential appointment of Edu, and this is in a director of football role, apparently, is there a danger we are becoming over-governed? Is there any clarity between all the recent appointments and what they exactly do? So basically, we've got a head of football relations who became head of football, I understand, mm-hmm. not the director of football, obviously, because they're trying to recruit one. Head of Brazil. football operations, isn't it? That was what he started, oh, but then, then he became, once Ivan um, Gazidis departed, he became head of football. That was his official job title, I believe. So now we've got a director of football. What's Edu going to do that Sanley can't do? I think he's probably got more contacts in the game. Right, so he's been bought in to get more Brazilians. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, potentially, but But obviously... Maybe the South American market, you might be right. Well, I bet bear in mind the brilliant job that Danny Carbassiun did in North American recruits we've got, you know, then come on, good luck, (laughs) Edu. Don't knock Danny. He's a nice bro. Don't knock Danny, he tweeted me at the weekend. Oh, yeah, sorry, Danny. He did, actually. I'm not dissing you. We're friends on Facebook, (laughs) <laughs> no, I, th- I think in short, I mean, football is, is changing an awful lot. I mean, I remember when I was seven years old, started working in 80, uh, w- watching in 88, 89, our entire football... You 78, 79. Oh, bless you. <laughs> bless you. I wasn't even a, a, I wasn't even a wink in my dad's, whatever. So, um, no, I mean, the, the entire football side was George Graham, Theo Foley, Stuart Houston, uh, George Armstrong, and a physiotherapist. That was it. I mean, Bob Wilson was a part-time goalkeeping coach. That was it. Tra- and the player negotiations, Watford Gap Services on the M1 signed this fucking contract. Whereas now, if you go to the, the staff section on Arsenal.com and the amount of staff yeah. who got related with the first team, I mean, yeah. we've got more physios than we had goalkeepers in 1989. True story. I mean, yeah. it's a completely different game now. And you've got negotiations to happen, uh, you know, people to negotiate negotiations and, you know, act for and, and on behalf of other people, whatever. It, it, I'd like to know exactly what everyone's role is and see their job descriptions because that's something you don't get on Arsenal.com. Yeah, I, know, I remember being at a presser towards the end of last season when Wenger was on his way out and then he was in a quite a reflective mood and he was sort of just saying that, you know, he, he looked really bemused the fact there was 800 employees at Arsenal and he, he made a point of referring to the fact they had an HR department as if like, <laughs> that was like, really weird or something. But um, yeah, the club, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, it's, it's changed completely. I remember, like I say, going up as a kid getting tickets from the travel club and um, Johnson was there and, you know, the junior gunners and they had that little sort of room and now it's like, you know, it's just completely exploded basically and um, it's a different club and, and so it should be because times have to move on. You can't have Jack Kelsey in the, in the club shop. Well, much as you want he's obviously an legend, but I remember him being really grumpy mm. like, I remember my mate he was, he got it's just you yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. everyone's grumpy to me but um, I remember like you, you know like, we qualified for like finals and stuff and you had the little vouchers in the back of the programme my mate tried to get a couple to fill it in because you had to cut them out and stick them on the thing Jack Kelsey took great pleasure of putting an X through oh. right in front of him oh. <laughs> 
And he was almost, he never smiled, but he was almost smiling and saying, look, son, you're not going to work for God rest his soul. so cruel. <laughs> That's my memories of Jack Kelsey. But, um, is, he, is he not on the 32 around the stadium? I, I hope so. He deserves yeah. to be. Well, I think that, thing, that little anecdote should be added to his bio <laughs> at the bottom, frankly. I've never heard that. Oh, what a shocker. God bless you. Well, we can't speak into the dead, no, but mm, anyway. All right, so um, let us uh, look elsewhere, and let's just take a diversion, a bit of light-hearted stuff. Have we seen the leaked images of the Adidas kits oh, for next honestly, season? I thought of something like that. It's like... Is it a fourteen-year-old in his bedroom just going, "Look, it's an Arsenal <laughs> kit from Adidas exclusive." You're like, well, it, it could from, be, it could be, yeah, it absolutely. Could be. And maybe Adidas are playing it smart and leaking it through through their contacts. I don't know, but until I actually see it from you know, the actual launch, I'm not going to believe a word of it. Basically, but it should be red and white. It's not rocket science. You know, white arms, red trim, traditional red top. The second kit should be yellow and blue. Do what you want with the third kit. Make it a tube of refreshers. I don't care. Those are the kits. And Adidas, I love Adidas. I've got a pair of Adidas gazelles on. You know, obviously anyone from Adidas is listening, you know, feel free to, to send me something. I'm, I'm more than happy to, to support it. But Adidas are brilliant. And they won't they won't muck it up the way the current kit sponsors and kit makers, I should say, are doing it. And I've got three kids all in junior gunners. I'd ban them for buying anything from Arsenal in terms of that kit because it's an absolute travesty. It's not an Arsenal kit, as far as I'm concerned. I'm yeah. not... You know, I, I like sort of thinking, oh, a bit, you know, a bit reactionary and a bit aggressive and that. But in terms of the Arsenal kit, I am completely traditional and it should be red and white and yellow and blue. Simple as that. Do what you want with the third kit. And the, I'm not going to even mention a name, but what they've done with them, all three kits is absolutely disgusting. And the sooner any that's getting there, the better. As far so as what, what, what's the objection to the home kit? It's awful. Is it, where, where, the, where are the white sleeves? They're not properly white. Why, why does it look like they're wearing an apron? It's, you know, it's just awful. Absolutely dreadful. We had that. In, it sickens me. We had really that does. under Adidas. Very similar. <laughs> I think it was 91, actually. No, that was no, a no, nice no, kit. That was no, a yeah. nice collar. Don't, don't be, don't be slating a 91 the, kit. The April, the apron thing, as in the, the white going <laughs> yeah, yeah, up yeah. here. That's what I'm talking That's about. That's FA Cup 93. Is it 93? Yeah, when we had like the red and blue zigzag thing. Yeah, so the blue should have an The white coming up the shoulders was even in... Oh, yeah, God, was that 91 or 93? I think it was 1991. I remember seeing a picture of a new signings, like Linigan wearing it. Linigan, God, yeah. See, wasn't it in 89? Didn't, didn't, didn't the shit that... No, no, in 89 it's... To the collar. Do you think... But, but it, was, it was properly white, and it was red. Yeah, no, it's where, where the red starts and the white. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. should be there it's got to be. on the, yeah. the yeah. shoulder joint. Mm, my real pet hate. Anyway, so... so uh, <laughs> Mixed views from, um, <laughs> from <laughs> it does look possible though because you could imagine they would incorporate an element of the tractor design yeah. and yeah. in the away kit they have got that you know mm. those that shape if nothing else even if it's if it's all yellow um, doesn't strike me as the, the the three stripes are long enough on the arm mm. if they went all the way up to the the top of the shoulder where it joins the neck maybe but they're yeah. only, only little portions it's, it's chinic oh, no, that, that's, that's, that's one of my just a quick quick diversion <laughs> here on Adidas so I've got I've got a signed shirt from 88-89 or no it's a replica 88-89 shirt that's signed and I actually got around to framing it just before Christmas and I hadn't even realised that it's only got two stripes down the arm. Oh, 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 no. oh, 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 no. Because it's, re- 
Massacre, it's not Adidas. Oh, oh of course. Well, because was, they can't do the they copyright. Do the copyright <laughs> oh, I've never even spotted it before, and I was just trying Is there a cockerel on the badge as well? I'll, I'll do it, I'll do it like, you know, fold it on the third stripe, <laughs> on the middle stripe. Yeah, like, where's know. the middle? <laughs> right, let's talk about a couple of individuals. Um, central defenders, um, obviously a shortage um, at the moment. Now, in theory, we could get Callum Chambers back from Fulham if we paid presumably half of his loan fee back. So if, if, if Fulham have paid us four million, we've got to, we've got to pay... So we've got to pay that, Fulham for our own well, player, basically. two million yeah. to get him back. Shocking. Is that how much loan fees are now? Is well, apparently that is what I've read. Apparently we've got a loan consultant, but ironically he's not actually starting until February. <laughs> well, well, maybe, good maybe the reason he's, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, been exactly. given that job... Yeah. He's our finance manager for Wonga. <laughs> so my question about Callum Chambers... If the club won't pay two million for him to get five months out of him, does that say something about the club or Unai Emery's belief in Callum Chambers? He liked, he liked Chambers in pre-season. He featured him in, in, in a fair few of the friendlies and he looked all right. Then literally went to Fulham overnight. I get the impression that's more of a Sam Levy decision in the sense that um, you've got too many defenders on paper. Um, with this Mavropanos, uh, you've got fate. Yeah, basically, you've got these three young centre-halves, choose two. One's got to go. Or if you can't take it, uh, I've got some interest in Chambers, he's going head coach. You have to coach these two. It was, it was a very, very sudden decision. So you don't think anything to do with Emery, and the reason they won't get him back is because Sanley doesn't fancy him? Uh, well, uh, well, I keep... Or they just broke. Uh, well, the latter. I was going to say, I, can't, I still can't remember the, the full name of our other managing director, but ultimately that's repaying money we've been given for a player we don't really need. But, but then it means we haven't got two million to spend in the transfer market in January. No, we don't want to spend that particular, uh, the two million with regards to that, in the sense that letting him go is probably with a view to him going permanently. Right. Um, so if we get, I mean, looking at some of the names I've seen in the press, uh, one is uh, Benarcia at uh, Juventus who's had a falling out there, a world-renowned, a very good centre-half, and on paper that makes sense if we could just rush through the, the Ramsey thing now, because rather than going for free, we do a sanchez Macatari in part two and just do a straightforward swap deal now. Again, from, an, from an earning and turnover point of view, makes a lot of sense from my bottom line. I'm sure that Uncle Stan will like it the same. OK. Um, all right. I mean, do, do, do we expect to see Callum Chambers in an Arsenal shirt again? Not if you have to pay two million for your own player. No, but even season. next season. Next season. Oh, next season. Um, no, how, how many master players have been on loan for a season, come back and done well? Jack Wilshire, Bolton. Ashley Cole. Ashley Cole at Palace. How um, long is thanks to Silvino's passport? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> how long was Alex Song at Charlton? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, we're, we're talking what two, three, four players in twenty years. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he's got a future at Arsenal long term. Bentner was quite uh, a bit, wasn't he? Was he was at Birmingham? Did he go and loan to like the, the, it was the king of Denmark for a while or something? And, <laughs> and came back again, but no. Okay. Um, right. So Ozil. Now, do we? You don't believe the back injury is genuine? Okay. But Although no, he no. did have it before the latest bout. He came back, and then he got it again. Yeah. So if it was if it was true in the first place, it's possible that it just resurfaced. Skeptical me doesn't know if it was true in the first place. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you know, he could have played a Blackpool if if that was. I mean, it, it, is he feigning injury? 
Or, um, or are the club pretending he's injured? Because if, if the club come out and publicly say, no, we're not playing him because he's got an attitude issue, he doesn't fit into our team. His value. That takes £5 million yeah. pounds mm. off him, you know. Yeah. I mean, the amount of times I've sat in press conferences after the game and then he's been asked about it, and he just finds it absolutely tedious. I just don't think he trusts him. He doesn't particularly rate him as a player who, who can work hard. But you've got this guy team. you're paying 350 grand yeah. a week to. Yeah. You must and, get something out of yeah, it. Yeah, and I think Emery's tried. And I think, to be fair, Ozil's tried to, to a certain extent, but he'll never track back. It's not in his nature to track yeah, back. Yeah. But if you had a, if you had a solid enough defence, yeah. could you excuse that? I, I think you could. I, I think you can keep... You, you can have one player who won't necessarily fit into into your tactics and in, in, in your, your sort of overall ethos and principles if you've got ten other functioning players in that particular you know scheme. But... Um, it's not happening at the moment because the back four, or back three, back five, whatever you want to call it, it just isn't good enough, and they aren't playing the way Emery wants it. And that consequently, you know, if Ozil has to track back down the channel, he's never going to do it anyway. And if he's got someone behind him he doesn't trust, the bloke in front of him doesn't trust Ozil himself, then it's never going to work basically. But I, I just think Emery doesn't trust him long term. And if Emery could click his fingers and Ozil would be gone, he would. But having said that. Um, Chris Wheatley, who's the arse correspondent for goal, he, he's, he knows the camp really well and he did an exclusive the other day. He knows um, Ozil's agent really well and basically the, the exclusive was Ozil's agent said Ozil's not going anywhere. Yeah. That's the bottom line. So we can't find anyone else's Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I, think, um, I think the thing was Ozil, Robin, and you know, I'd, I'd ask to cut for him on this point, point because I do feel any time he's not playing, we lack so much creativity. Yeah, yeah. We haven't got anyone that would, you know, even, even if Ramsey's yeah, there, Ramsey's yeah, not right. that creative player yeah. either. And there's, there's been a number of games this season where you just go, you just need someone to find that final ball. You know, Lacazette, Aubameyang, they're making the runs. But even the road he's making the runs. Yeah. No one's finding them. Yeah. And, and, you know, Ursula had that ball. Was that the Fulham game? Yeah, no, was yeah where he played it. Was Fulham, played I'm sure it's Fulham. Fulham. Yeah. We played it sort of around the corner. Yeah. You know, they took out five defenders. Yeah. Threaded it through. He's the only player we've got in the squad that can do that. Yeah. And... We really miss him when we are, when he's not there. Yeah. But we've got to find a way to be able to fit him into the team that we're solid enough that we don't need him to chase back and make yeah. a goal line saving clearance. Because I do think he does he does track back, but he doesn't like tackles. He doesn't compete. Yeah. He just covers the space. So and that's it, not enough. Essentially, yeah. as long as we can play Huddersfield at home <laughs> um, towards the end of the season when they're already relegated and they get a man sent off in the first ten minutes. <laughs> He's going to be a will be. I agree. <laughs> I, I, I can't knock it. I can't knock it. You're dead right. Uh, yeah, he has got a World Cup winner's medal, to be fair. He has. But he yeah. was playing yeah, in a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 really average players have got it. Yeah. Um, quick name check, because we sort of covered this. What are the panel's thoughts on possible defenders coming in this January? That was uh, Kieran on Twitter asked that. Um, I mean, is there any. I mean, just quickly, is there a yes or no? Um, on loan Gary Cahill yes I would David uh, if there's nobody else Mike Wasn't a yes or no yes typical <laughs> 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 lawyer that, that, was, that, was a, that was a legal maybe <laughs> I, I read uh, somewhere that Pepe was also considered oh he's yeah, he's, he's, he's gone back to Porto yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah but they were looking at him apparently he would yeah, certainly add it yeah. 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 just like a couple of you know nightclub doormen you know he only played four games before now at the end of the season if we could get those two and Van Bommel out of retirement you know we just bit hard past an FC you know Terry Hurlock on the bench 
It would have been, it would have been entertaining. <laughs> I'm not sure for who, but uh, it would have been. <laughs> so there we are. That's Kieran. Um, let's go back a little. And um, Peter Squire has tweeted: If the, are the panel convinced that Bernard Lino is the long-term answer in goal? There have been a few calls for Petr Cech to actually start as a retired member. Of, well, an all-time member of the goalkeepers' union and former goalkeeper for the University of Wales Avarice with second eleven, ninety-nine to two thousand two. Um, I'd stick with Leno. I really like him personally. Still, he's still twenty-four. Still incredibly, incredibly raw. Um, I wrote the, the the talking point of the game after Southampton uh, when he committed uh, that incredible sin of missing it by half of one millimetre, even though the centre forward was unmarked at the set at the back post because Koscielny's back was still knackered. Sorry, legs were knackered. Whatever. Um, patience is a virtue, especially with goalkeepers. Uh, the positives uh, certainly outweigh the negatives so far. His distribution is first class, and the way that um, our head coach wants to play it. So persevere with him for sure. Yeah, I think if, if Czech came back, there'd be a massively retrograde step unless Leno is injured, basically. Completely agree with Dave. He's, he has got a lot to, um, to to improve on, but at the same time, he fits um, Emery's tactics perfectly in terms of the fact he is a sweeper-keeper and he's brilliant with his feet and he does push the defence in terms of playing out early. Um, he hasn't completely convinced as a goalkeeper in terms of maybe his positioning and even his sort of aerial ability, but that will come. Like you say, he's only 24. 24 is a baby in, in goalkeeping terms, so... Yeah, it was interesting the other day that um, Henry was asked about Caden Evans, and sometimes I was saying about the code and you sort of read between the lines. When Emery was asked about Suarez, he basically just said, oh, "I don't know," which means Emery code for we're working on at the moment, but we haven't signed him yet. With Caden Evans, he just goes no. So yeah. I don't think they're looking for another keeper. I know there's been some eighteen-year-old keeper touted or something, but eighteen-year-old keeper, he's not going to play in the first team, so who cares anyway at the moment? Purely in terms of first team sort of matters. So yeah, Leno's there for the rest of the season, and then we'll we'll just we'll see how he's done for the, for the next six months. But yeah, he's he's a work in progress, but he's certainly good enough to be Arsenal's number one, definitely. I and think, that's not what we've said well, for a long time. I think as well, you know, it comes back to the point I made earlier. He, he probably suffers from playing behind him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, I played in goal as well, like <laughs> goalkeeper union with Dave, and there's nothing worse than rubbish centre halves. Oh <laughs> God, yeah. yeah. And I mean, but, you know, is, so is I would he? Say that as well. I think is he more trying to organise the team, or has he maybe not got the confidence to do I that? Yeah, he's got the confidence. I've interviewed you know, him as well. So maybe that, that's where it will come. Yeah, I, I interviewed yeah. him in the mix zone, and he, he, he was surprisingly not, fragile in terms of his not, How is his English? He's not completely really convinced. Good, really good, yeah. He's yeah. not completely convinced me yet. Mm. And I, I, you know, I think you said he's really good with his feet. Yeah. Really? Um, I'm not not convinced by that. You know, I mean, he, he, he's, he's more comfortable he's, than he was. His technical was, ability is, is, is really good, and he, he was. He, I think he made he played more passes with his feet than anyone else apart from Neuer in, in the second last season in, in the Bundesliga. Well, maybe that's just, why we got him. But yeah, I, yeah, I, absolutely. I, 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 I think know. his technical I mean, ability is there, basically. But yeah, maybe his passes haven't been. I don't know what percentage on. I don't really look in those stats, but yeah, they've been slightly off in terms of the calibration. But at the same time, he's got all the ingredients to be able to do that. I think, but. I still feel nervous when the ball goes near near Czech's feet. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, all just yeah, I mean, the guy's yeah. what? 30s. I feel nervous when he goes for, towards any map. It's like the penalty box. He's 37, 38 years old, out of contract in five and a half months' time. Um, if he wants to stay on, he's going to have a 50% pay cut on a one year contract. Yeah, yeah. At the end of that, 50% deduction again. He, uh, yeah. He's going to end up at Fulham or somewhere the, the yeah. next season, with yeah. bless him. So, can't put him in goal now. No. Okay. Um, uh, sometime uh, panellist Simon Rose um, has tweeted to complete the transfer window stuff given Welbeck's injury and that we can't overburden Aubameyang and Lacazette by starting them both too often 
Can Arsenal sustain their challenge this season without signing a third striker during this transfer window? Um, I mean, in fairness, it seems to me that generally Lacazette is only ever going to play half a game, and it, unless it's the cup, in which case Aubameyang is rested. So I think he's already rotating those two. They rarely start together. But do you do you think we need? I mean, is Eddie and Ketia going to be good enough if one of them gets injured? I, 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 again, I'm, I'm sure we've all seen him in the under 18s upwards and the Norwich game last season when he, he scored those two goals on his debut. He looked short of confidence on Saturday. I don't know what you thought in terms of missing those early chances. He could have had a hat trick before half time. Mm. I think he needs a loan. I think he needs a six month loan. Mm. Whether he's going to be given that, I don't know. But I, I think he needs to just go away, move away from Arsenal for six months. Learn his trade at a lower league club, maybe Championship, maybe maybe League One or something, and come back refreshed, start the season again next year, and and take it from there. I, I'm really really excited about him. He, he's a really instinctive finisher, but they thrive on confidence, and he looked low on confidence on Saturday. So, but that's we, not going to happen unless we do sign someone, surely. Yeah, yeah, he's not going to go anywhere. Basically, until we get someone in on loan. Yeah, I mean, if we get someone in on loan and then release him on loan, yeah, because yeah, my, my my feeling is is we, we probably do need a strike because otherwise we you know we're, we're running we're running the risk of one of them getting injured and then we are down to the bare bones. Yeah. Even though it might cost us a few hundred thousand euros of our own money, my understanding is there is a top-of-the-range young Japanese striker at VFB Stuttgart at the moment who we can recall from loan. OK, I can't remember his name. We have got that young Japanese... Asano, is it? Is it Asano? Takiyama Sano or something? Asano. Yeah. So how's he been doing this season? Um, he's had a, he's had in a moto levels of performance. He scored once in nine games, I think. Oh, okay. uh, he's only, only made nine appearances, but he's, he's scored a goal. I can't remember. Where I read that yesterday, but um, he's well. He's a he's a senior professional member of staff. He's on our payroll, yes. so he's there to be recalled. Mm. Actually, where's Jude Park Young? Do you know what I was just talking about? Maybe he's David Goose throws, but yeah, what, what a signing he was. Four and a half million of anyone's money. Yeah, him and Carver Diawara, seriously. There's been a few. There's been a few. And Jeremy Elliott, is only 34 years old, and he's seen around the club an awful yeah, lot. He looks you know. after his body. He, 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 he never got the testimonial. Which <laughs> his years of service, in theory, justified. He's an invincible as well, which is. Well. Didn't make too many goals. He was in the squad. Yeah. Um, right, I'll uh, I'll just do some brief cronky stuff just to name check because I, obviously I like to uh, acknowledge that we get contributions. So on Twitter, um, I'll start with Brian Dawes, our mm. regular contributor to the print version of the Guna. Um, is there any way fans can acquire a decent owner? Other than buying the club themselves, right? Okay, I think we don't really need to discuss that, Brian. But we take your point. Well, Uncle Alicia offered him <laughs> a billion pounds for Arsenal, didn't he? Well, yes. Well, that's that's a fair it's point. Undervalued, yeah. Um, <laughs> the other one related to this is from Neg. Oh, that's his Twitter handle or hashtag Neg. Um, it's um, to avoid living the rest of my life in a state of permanent frustration. How should I adjust my expectations nowadays, given the club is run, given the way the club is run relative to our rivals? 
I like the way he's phrased Hashtag Nick. <laughs> 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 let's get it going, let's get it trending. Nick, it's just. Uh, it sounds like John Cleese in Cockwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I thought that was a lovely You know, oh, don't you, you know, disappointments, that. You know, I mean, everyone's disappointments, it's a day by day thing, but it's the hope that kills yeah, you. The bottom line is, we've been basically, effectively, it seems, superseded by Liverpool and Tottenham. Teams with, historically, a lower revenue than ours. And we're now trying to catch up. And it, it's, it's, uh, it's different, isn't it? We haven't been in this situation of lagging behind since probably just before George Graham came. John Hill days, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's, it's certainly... Well, I think it's, at that point, that was, it, was, it was England's own game. I mean, it was just when the European ban was coming into play as well, mm. post... Um, uh, post highs of everything, whereas now, I mean, we are the second biggest sporting accolade in the world after the NFL in yeah. terms of global um, viewers, yeah. and we are ultimately a bigger brand and franchise than any other London brand and franchise. Um, Liverpool, probably bigger in the UK, sure, but worldwide, Arsenal are bigger because we're London, and yeah. London is a bigger, t- biggest tourist location than Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I leave in 90 minutes, the amount of people who rush down the front to have their cheesy selfie are holidayers. Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a baseball fan, and I go on uh, US vacations every other year, and I go to like four or five baseball games, and and that's the way we're going now. Do you wear a baseball cap? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, sadly, you wear it backwards. Hell no, not, not 87. My team's the Red Sox, run by Liverpool, which I hate. But I mean, ultimately, we're in London. We are a bigger brand than everyone, apart from maybe Chelsea. But thankfully, we can squeeze sixty thousand in, or fifty-nine thousand eight hundred, rather than Chelsea, until they move to their new stadium. So, even though we're behind football-wise, money-wise, and branding-wise. No, we're all right. Yeah. And bear in mind, 50, 40, 50 million, if we qualify for the Champions League next year, will be automatically in our coffers, as it were. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's a lot more money to come from. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at league should we prioritise? Yeah, yeah. Should we prioritise? Given Emery's record, should the club prioritise the Europa League? Not yet. Not yet. But I think if you come into sort of April and. Um, you know, Arsenal sort of mired in fifth, ten points away from fourth place. Then, yeah, play your strongest side in, in hopefully the quarterfinal, semi-final, whatever, and, and take it from there because you've obviously got a route through to the Champions League. And Emery's a, a course and distance winner in terms of Europa League as well. And I think he wants to win it. It wasn't Wenger sort of just going, oh yeah, we're in the quarterfinals now. I, I Didn't he win it like three years in a row? Yeah, severe, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was none, yeah. none of the early group stage games where you felt he put out a really weakened team. Yeah. Right? Apart from maybe the last one. Yeah, it was. yeah I, I did all the home games and I did um, Sport and Lisbon away and it was comfortable. It was yeah. just comfortable. Yeah, we, you know, he, he, he does seem to play every game to win you know yeah. and I, it, which is it, good. it just feels a bit different to Wenger's philosophy yeah. which was I put out a team that should have been good enough yeah. to I'm putting out a team to win yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. Yeah. Completely um, I, I just, I do, it just kind of feels different yeah, yeah at the moment I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that philosophy I think, I think he's got the balance right at the moment yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that, that was during our 22 game unbeaten run so yeah. you know and it's still felt criticising absolutely it. and the next round should be Belarus do you know I looked, I looked at the coach to Belarus just because I was having a chat with people today four days it'll be at least 85 quid but even so I'm not sure I was, I was I was praying for Vienna because I've got a work trip in Vienna right. that week and, and it was Monday to Wednesday and I was like it this could work out really well <laughs> this could work out really I can't believe it's on Valentine's Day as well I can yeah. but it's just ridiculous but yeah I'm going to I think I'm going to have three or four days in Minsk so if anyone fancies joining me <laughs> 
Alexander Klebs. <laughs> make, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. make sure you speak to Tim Payton before you go because he went last time right. and he got in a lot of bother because his, the visa. Because he was Tim Payton. Yeah, well, mate, <laughs> no, he, he, visa, he left a different he left, he left from a different port than he arrived. Did he? I've got to get a working visa. The visa does so. not allow yeah, yeah. He was held for a couple of hours, I think. Yeah. Oh, well, she said a couple of days then. <laughs> no, I don't see. Stop man. Um, let's talk about um, Unai Emery's press conference style. So first of all, I'll ask you, Leif, because obviously you're in there. Um, it doesn't always answer the question. Now, is that his poor English, or is he being clever in playing dumb? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, where to start? I mean, I was, I was sort of in his introductory press conference in the, in the Diamond Club or actually meet the journalist basically and um, it was quite an honour to be there and then sort of met him and had a chat and his English that day I mean not that I'm knocking anyone for, for speaking another language but it wasn't very good mm. and he obviously did a lot of intensive lessons over the summer came back and there was a few more words added to his vocabulary and it, it sort of made a bit more sense but I used to take down shorthand I always took down shorthand with Wenger obviously had my dictaphone as well just as a backup but I can't do it with Emery because there's so many clauses and it just goes off on a tangent and it doesn't actually make sense and then you're trying to do it I, I, all I do post-match reaction now I just do a transcription basically I don't do a feature style I don't do a report I don't do in, in terms of the post-match reaction report I don't do anything I just do a literally a transcription because you have to polish the quotes because it just doesn't make sense basically and I'm, Wenger would always give you really good copy whatever you thought about Wenger he would always answer a question my next he was completely disingenuous at times and he yeah. would never answer the question but he would always give you a headline he'd always give you my next question was does Unai Emery give you a good headline never never and really interesting what you were saying a minute ago because I'd love to be able to speak Spanish or, or you know understand his French in a way because when he was at PSG because I want to know if he's actually very articulate or is he really sort of just plays a dead bat on anything football related in any language basically I'd love to see how he answers questions in Spanish whether it's really lyrical whether it's really interesting whether he actually answers the question because he doesn't do that half the time yeah. in, his, in his sort of halted English God bless him so it, it is really interesting but from a journalist's point of view being sat five to ten yards away from him it's really frustrating because you don't know what he's saying half the time I, when, you, when you do live tweeting when there's no embargo like after post-match press conferences uh, post-match press conferences at Arsenal you just you, you have to polish the coat because it just doesn't make sense basically and it's just really really frustrating when Vega would just give you straight copies so. I think that's interesting because like you know there's quite a lot of times I read the report in the paper yeah. and you'll read the quote and you go what what does that mean yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Like, and that's after it's been polished <laughs> and, so, and, and, yeah, and, it's yeah. like, and why have they printed that because it makes no com- yeah. it doesn't, there's no context uh, yeah, to yeah. it and it's just like but the thing is it's all oh, about the quotes doing it for Bayton, yeah it's all about the know. quotes because you need the quote to leave in the story and obviously it, you know, you've got sources and but stuff but when it's like that do you really I know yeah. there's been times <laughs> when I've pulled the quote because it just doesn't make sense and I've just sort of you, you know, know the, the, I, I understand you know that, that as, as a journalist you think you need the quote yeah. but actually when it makes no sense but, 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 yeah absolutely but if you're doing a post-match reaction on these press conferences you have to obviously well, yeah, yeah. you're talking but you're absolutely right it, it's really difficult so hopefully we'll just come, you know and what's really good is he's got a really good interpreter he's, he's a young lad he, he, we follow each other on Twitter and, and um, he's just he's really really good really professional and what Emery does sometimes is if someone asks a question and he needs to buy a bit of time it will sort of go to him and say what did he say and then repeat in Spanish and he knows exactly what the question is but it gives him three or four seconds just to give a little bit more in terms of probably answering in English really what I'd like him to do is actually answer it in Spanish 
and get translated by someone who can really speak English and Spanish well and translate it back in English because I think I'm sure it'd be more articulate it's certainly going to be more interesting anyway but it is what it is at the moment so. is, is Mark Gunnella still accompanying him at the press conferences yes yeah, yeah. good old Mark um, I'm sure he'd love the idea of giving you absolutely nothing. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't give me the mark, God bless you. So we're going to end with Man United in the FA Cup. Ooh. Yes, indeed, we have been drawn to face our old rivals in the fourth round. Um, first question, full strength team, do you think, or should we do the old rotation, the cup rotation? Full strength, absolutely, full strength. Do you think you will? What the fixtures week before, week after? Chelsea on the 19th and then Man City away on no. Sunday. Oh, no, we've got midweek. Cardiff, Cardiff, yeah, Cardiff, Cardiff Wednesday, you're right, yeah. Tuesday. Then, is it, I, I think yeah, it's Cardiff on Tuesday. That's why it had to be Saturday. Have they actually decided? I thought it had been confirmed, it's Saturday lunchtime. I saw a tweet on that, I didn't actually double check that because I was just leaving. It's not good for viewing figures. No, oh, but so it is in, in Asia. It's going to be Friday. Yeah, Friday night would have been Asia. Right. Christ, yeah. Yeah. Friday night would have been an atmosphere. 9,000 Man United fans down yeah. on a Friday night. 12.30 lunchtime, Asian market. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. What's that, BT then? Uh, yeah, I believe it's all BT. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a BT for sure. Yeah. Is that right about the time of the Chinese New Year as well? It will be, yeah. You'll be a Chinese. That's a good point. Do not know. Well, anyway, let's go back a bit. And I'm going to ask each one of you for a memory of a past FA Cup clash with United and I know which one you're going for <laughs> and I will let you go first in case anyone else claims cheers, it cheers, cheers. So, I'll do that because I, 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 I bet my three lined up <laughs> no, I don't no. last year. Oh, I'm doing uh, it more just to get the plug in about the Gazette but basically yeah um, obviously we had a bit of a chat this morning I, I wrote a piece for the Guna about five six years ago Kevin Witch's organisational skills are absolutely amazing WhatsApp Kev said have you got that piece that I did about 11 memorable victories over Man United Literally 2.4 milliseconds later, it was in my inbox. <laughs> you know, and it was, I put it out today in the Gazette. It's, um, it's a bit of unashamed nostalgia. Um, to answer your question, 20th of February, 1988, the Brian McLeod, <laughs> in case anyone doesn't know, Brian McLeod balloons the ball into the North Bank. I was in the North Bank. I was just a blocking boy, but I was in the North Bank that day. And honestly, it was the mo- one of the most amazing episodes. That, that season, there were four... 50,000 plus yes. crowds. I know you say it now to kids about, oh, well, we get 51,000 yeah. every week, allegedly. Yeah. Um, no, they were proper. You know, the Everton game in the semi final League Cup. I ran to the top of the, 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 the block behind the clock end mm-hmm. because they'd locked the North Bank. Got all the way to the top. Mm-hmm. The coppers at the top, they heard us running up. They yeah. said, you get down there or we'll nick you. Yeah. To run all the way down. Somehow we got into the clock end that night. It was one of those nights when the noise rolls around. You've got all the dark, you know, the floodlights, everything. That was brilliant. But that Man United game was obviously on a Saturday afternoon. It was amazing. Kids need to look it on. Look it up on YouTube, kids, basically, because it was absolutely fantastic. People talk about the feud starting that day. Obviously, you can talk about January 87, Rocky got sent off at Old Trafford. I dated back, and it was just, this was my first Arsenal Man United game as a real youngster. Eight, May 1983, Randy Moses got sent off. 2nd of May 1983, Arsenal beat Man United 3-0 after having lost to United in the FA Cup semi-final and two games in the Milk Cup semi-final. And I think Arsenal had enough that day. Remy Moses got sent off late on. Arsenal bossed the show, but it didn't mean anything. There was 16,000 hybrid. I think a few started from that day. But obviously, 87, and then you had the 88 game, which was the real sort of touch paper in terms of McClare and then Winterburn. And I interviewed Winterburn via um, Player of Legends earlier in the season. I asked him about it. I said, Do you talk to Brian McClare? And he literally flinched. 
<laughs> he obviously gave a really dead bad. I don't see him around that much, but I respect him. Blah, blah, blah. But you could see he fucking hated him. He absolutely <laughs> hated him. So I was quite pleased to see him that basically. But um, yeah, that game. Look it up on YouTube, kids. It's absolutely amazing. Okay, um, David, go on. Two thousand five FA Cup final, <laughs> daylight robbery. Uh, <laughs> I, remember, I remember. I remember the year before, the Invincibles year. Um, when we lost those two games in a week, uh, Chelsea in the Champions League semi-final was uh, at home, Wayne Bloody Bridge yeah, yeah. scoring from the clock end. Uh, and then uh, we lost one new one in the semi-final at Villa Park to yeah. Paul Scholes. And then I remember um, we didn't have a centre forward in the final, did we? We had to play Dennis up front on his own yeah. because there's no Thierry on rear or anything. <laughs> and Dennis has never been a number nine, he's a classic number ten. He didn't have a nine to, to pass it to. And I think we hit the bar in the first five minutes and we started really well and then after that, Man United beat us like a ginger stepson. <laughs> and, um, and you know, if it was a boxing match, the referee would have like thrown the we would have thrown the towel in after about an hour. But we managed to hold on for a nil-nil. Um, Jose Antonio Reyes became the yeah. second man to get sent off in an FA Cup final for throwing a bottle at Gary Neville yeah. after the game yeah. or something. Yeah. Well, then... somebody had done that before. Not sent off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't blame him. To be fair. And then um, yeah, and the winner, the guy who scored the winner in the semi-final year before Paul Scholes uh, has a penalty saved by um, Zimad German, uh, Maddie Enns, and um, then uh, the skipper Paddy V. Yeah. In um, what turned out to be his last game for the club, last kick, yeah. scored the yeah. penalty yeah. error, uh, scored the penalty. We won the FA Cup in Cardiff, and um, like I said, daylight robbery. Yeah, I say that in Cardiff, that was glorious. <laughs> well, that, that was one where we all we all taunted them about having US. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, since, since since you pair have gone first and Nick two to my memories, so, <laughs> I've got to have two. Um, but but one I'm, well, I'll, I'll finish on a positive. But uh, yeah, probably 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 the most vivid memory is the l- loss, the Villa Park mm. one, the ninety nine um, one. Ninety nine. Yeah, it was our um, first games. Yeah. I mean, they were two Titanic clashes. Mm. I mean, no, that, and and that was the last FA Cup semi final, wasn't it? Replay. Yeah, that was the last yeah. time there was. Yeah. Um, obviously, everyone remembers the goal because um, the BBC can't help but remind oh, us I every single it. time it's all about the um, chest but it's yeah, so much incredibly chest it was yeah, all yeah. about Bergkamp yes. in the last yeah. minute 92nd yeah. minute parlour yeah. tripped clear cut penalty mm. to win the tie yeah. Yeah. to ruin the treble to win the double yeah that that's what it would have yeah. been absolutely I, yeah. I, I believe to this yeah. day that we would have won the league that year yeah. and the FA Cup. They would have lost momentum. Talk about Absolutely. That goal would have gone in, wouldn't it? With the post at least. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how, so yeah. that, that was the bad memory. And I remember we, we drove, I'd driven up and we, yeah, the we three of us, well. we got in the car and literally we did not speak yeah. until we reached the M25. Yeah, absolutely. We just drove, it was just like heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah. But let's end on a positive one. <laughs> 79. Oh! Fair enough. Did you go, did you go I, I wasn't there, no, but I was a bit too come young. on, we all remember it. I mean, uh, I was I was ten, and therefore still still uh, young, <laughs> and, and, and and prone to getting upset if Arsenal lost. <laughs> so when when they equalised, I was on the verge of tears, and I'm not even sure I saw the winning goal because there were tears in my eyes. <laughs> and there were tears in my eyes. <laughs> um, um, and yeah. Oh, that was a glorious moment, glorious memory. And Liam Brady talking about it the other week when we did the IASA um, yeah. meeting, and he talked about that and uh, how it was just like get the ball in their half because we're going to lose otherwise. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. got the ball in their half, six and three, and the rest is like so. Got goosebumps. Glorious there, Mike. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very good uh, end to a game. Um, 
All right, and that is the end of the podcast. But uh, we will finish with the usual plug for the Guna. The current issue with a free 2019 calendar is currently on sale and will remain so for the home games against Chelsea, Man United in the Cup and Cardiff. There will be a new one out for Southampton in February. Also, by the time you are listening to this, we hope to have fully launched the campaign to garner enough subscribers to see us continue beyond the current season. So it's Save the Guna once more. It's going to be an annual process, um, but we are looking into possibly offering a standing order or a, a direct debit option if we can get our heads around the forms required for the latter anyway. Time will tell, but um, it's... Uh, if you do wish to see the Guna survive, please sign up. At present, details can be found on the rear of the calendar in the current issue or on the subscriptions page of our online guna.com website store. And I'll plan to post uh, an exclusive on the site itself, um, maybe tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, so that'll be before this is uh, out there. As ever, a reminder that you can contact us regarding anything to do with the podcast via Twitter at Guna Podcast and email gunapodcast at gmail.com. Many thanks for the questions and topics submitted for today. I think I've got everybody in. And with that, it is goodbye. From David. Thank you and goodbye. From Mike. Goodbye. And from Leith. Cheers, Kev. We will be back with another podcast in February. Until then, this is your host, Kevin Witcher, saying goodbye and thanks for listening. La-di-da-di-da, la-di-da-di-dee, all good friends and jolly good company. Way.